Hey, welcome to DCAF. It is the third week of January in 2021, and you know what that means. It was inauguration week this week. Um, the U.S. has a new president, um, Mark, and I wanted to <laughs> deliver some thoughts on just inauguration generally. I'll start, and then Mark, you can go. Um, it wouldn't be decaf if I didn't start with something lighthearted. So I just want to commend all of the women that attended inauguration yesterday or did it in Melania's case. The fashion yesterday, and I know, Mark, you don't know anything about this, but the fashion was out of control. It was so great. Kamala Harris's husband's daughter sewed her own dress. She's an art student in New York. Very cool. And so, you know, I, I can't say that I'm necessarily happy about a Biden-Harris administration from a policy standpoint, but yesterday was a beautiful sunny day in DC and it was a great day for fashion. And that's the best thing I can say. Mark, your turn. Yeah, so I didn't watch the inauguration. Um, I, I don't, I've never really been interested. I don't necessarily care who it is. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's transfer power and all that stuff. It's good. But yeah, I didn't watch it. Um, I think that we kind of have we're not, we're kind of pessimistic about what we think the Biden administration will bring. But I think that part of that is uh, there is some things he's already done that I don't agree with. He, he put out an immigration plan that actually doesn't look bad to me. I mean, personally, I, I haven't gone into it in detail, so I can't speak like I can't say specifically. But I think that um, it's kind of our job to say, yeah, we know we probably are not going to like him. Some of the things he's already said, I don't like. I don't think we should rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. I think it's a bad idea. But it does show you executive orders do you then get then got rid of them and then put back and then got rid of them again so um so i don't necessarily like where he's starting off i do think it's kind of our job as americans to give every, give them a chance um before they come in give them a chance to at least say okay well we're not going to agree with you on a lot of things but let's the things that we do agree let's let's go forward with that and then we'll hopefully have a healthy debate about the, the issues we disagree with them on um, i think that eat no matter what people think of President Trump. I know that we have some people just love him. Some people are not fans of him personally. Um, but we'll be able to, to debate policy, I think, with the left maybe a little bit better where they can't just say, well, but President Trump said this thing. It's like, well, that's not related to the argument. Stop bringing this unrelated thing about that. But they can't say that now. I mean, they might still try. I mean, I, I know that I feel like George W. Bush was blamed for about eight years after he was actually president for things. Right. But I think it will allow us to have hopefully more of a, a policy-minded discussion where people on the left who disagree can't say, well, look what President Trump said or did. It's like, that's not relevant. He's not president anymore. Let's talk about the actual policy. You can't just use him as a scapegoat. Yeah, and I feel like on most policy disagreements, when it's based on facts and logic and empirical evidence, the right has the better arguments. And so now there is no scapegoat for the left to not talk about our actual arguments. They have to address the actual arguments coming from the right instead of just saying, well, this and well, that, just like you said. So that is exciting. I will say that I saw a press release from the White House that had to do with um taking back some of the rules that Trump put on rolling back regulations. Didn't like that too much. Um, I don't like the idea of, like you said, Paris Climate Agreement. Nothing's happened on health care yet, but based on the previous administration that Biden was a part of, I don't love that. So we'll just see what happens, but we will call it like it is. And, and one thing is, I mean, Biden and, and, and the whole administration talked about unity and representing the peace of the country that even if they didn't vote for, which of course is a good message, but it's actions and not words. And I think that people are like, oh, it's so nice to hear a president say that. I've seen a lot of my friends. I'm like, I mean, Trump kind of said the same thing four years ago. It's just you have to look at what his actions are. It's, I mean, it's do that. I think everyone needs to give him a fair chance, even if you're skeptical or pessimistic. Um, but it's going to be the actions moving forward and saying like, oh, 
do I care now that I have a, a, a bare Senate majority? I mean, really, actually not a, a tie, but with the vice president majority, a slim House majority right. agrees with me. Am I willing to go to the table and negotiate and say, hey, maybe some of these things that the that the extreme left wants are really bad policy? Um, and, and I hope he'll do that. And I think that when you have a Democratic president, there's some things you expect. And there's some things, we, I mean, there's just some things that aren't going to be bad that we can't do anything about. There's going to be probably some kind of tax increase, which we don't like. But I would hope that he really, really thinks about the future of the country when he goes so far left and not only just the future of the country but in, in, a, in a short two years um there's a lot of senate seats up there's a, i mean the house could flip so he needs to think about his own thing and every time that a, uh, at least in the past 30 years that a president comes in and goes far left they get punished in, in, in the next year i mean it happened to bill clinton in, in 94 and then he came to the center it happened to obama um and he came to the center a little bit maybe not quite as much, but, but i mean he yeah but i mean it, this is what happens you get punished for it and you're forced to come to the center because you have more republicans or republicans take over something so i would just urge him hopefully the words that he said are true and he will go for that again i'm not super optimistic but you never know so i think we, it, it's our job to kind of at least give him a chance I'll have I'll have gracious assumptions for about six months, and then we'll see what happens. You think six months? I was, I was gonna say about a week, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm a little more gracious than you. Let's talk about something that has been a national debate though that we haven't talked about yet, which is education and kids in schools. Um, it's a it's really big deal in Nashville and Memphis right now. Still, most schools across the state are still not in in-person schooling. Um, those that are. Honestly, I haven't seen, I don't know if you've seen differently, Mark, but I haven't seen massive cases of COVID coming from schools that are in-person school. And so it's something that we have to talk about rather than saying, yes, in some cases, maybe for the school administrators, it is easier for kids to stay at home. But for parents and for the kids themselves, the emotional toll that is taking on parents and students, plus just honestly some hypocrisy coming from you can't get, send your kids to school, but you can send them to a virtual learning center, or you can send them to the YMCA, or you can send them somewhere else to still be together and do school virtually. It's not a sustainable setup. And I know that we have tried, and I have, again, gracious assumptions. I know that everyone pivoted super quickly when COVID started happening, but it's almost been a year now, and we still don't have a long-term solution to the kids in schools thing. And it's it's getting old for, and I don't even have kids. <laughs> Well, first of all, Governor Lee, um, I love what he said because he's kind of said it's like, "Hey, I, I thought I thought you guys believed in science. You are not following the science." It's like I'm glad that he said that because he really did call out the hypocrisy of the left. And like, good for him for saying that because that needed to be said that you want to use numbers and science. And then when it again when it disagrees with you and it disagrees strongly, like you said, like even though we might have disagreed with going back to school, like we might have said, "Oh, we think they should be in school from the start in September." Uh, maybe there's a time at this point. It's very clear the science clear. Like, oh. Almost, it's not been a problem. Kids have not, for, for the most part, gotten COVID. If they have, it's been very mild, except maybe a very few amount of cases. Um, they're probably safer at school than they are in any other place, truthfully. So I'm glad that he said that. And and I think the one thing, especially with Nashville, it goes back to this ESA program that we passed. It When you have these parents who they send their kids to, to Nashville, like to the public schools there, if they don't have money, they have to do whatever the city of Nashville tells them to do, which is not even the state. So when the city says, oh, we're going to be virtual for all this time, they're like, well, look, I, I don't want to be virtual. I don't think it's good for my kid. But they don't have a choice. They can't use the ESA to go somewhere else and it, because it's held up in court right now. But they're not able to do that. And that's a huge problem because people with money, like we said, they can just send their kid to private school. Like, oh, you know, what? I have the money. But the very people these ESA programs are supposed to help are the people who are the most needy. 
you know, are the people who are the lowest income people. And all they want is their kid to get a good education. And the city of Nashville, the city of Memphis, Shelby County, Davidson County, they are forcing these kids to go virtual. And some kids just learn so poorly virtually. What? Let's take away the whole safety aspect, which we, uh, I mean, it's, the science is clear on. It, it's just really hard for some of these kids to learn virtual. They need to be in the actual classroom. That's how they learn. And they don't need to be left behind or like fall back a year or two because they can't go to school. So this is when the ESA program will be the most needed where parents can say, you know what? I don't have the money to send them to private school, but because of this, I can send them to, well, maybe I can send them to a different county school or I can afford a private school because of the ESA money. And it, it's just, it, it shows the need for our ESA program more than ever to see that these kids are suffering, that the cities of Nashville and Memphis are not listening to the parents. They're not listening to anybody. I mean, they're, they're kind of just doing whatever they want. They're not listening to science. They're not listening to parents. So this is when we need it, when parents don't have a choice and they are just trapped by the local government's inadequacies and ineptness. And that's a shame. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago when we were working on the ESA program, one of the big things that Justin used to say that I loved was education, good education versus bad education or insufficient education separates the haves from the have nots. And that was when things were normal, when kids were in public schools that weren't meeting their needs versus kids who could afford it, parents that could afford it, sending kids to high college, high caliber college prep schools. That was when things were normal. Now things are as chaotic as they have ever been. And the kids who were suffering in public schools originally are now suffering at home on Zoom or on Microsoft Teams or whatever that looks like. And so I think that, you know, as with a lot of the things that we've talked about this year, COVID helps make the case for healthcare reforms. COVID helps make the case for um, licensing and regulatory reforms, letting people get back to work. If anything, this pandemic has made the case for school choice. Okay. Showing, I think we have seen in real time, it's shown people in real time that parents need to be able to have complete control over their child's education, not just told you go here and you don't have a choice, you go here and you don't have a say in it. This has been the, it, I, I hate to use the term social experiment, but it is a pandemic that has turned into this social experiment of what is the best course for education. And I think it's made the case for school choice more than anything. And I've seen different states taking action and saying, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And I just hope that our case, um, comes out that we prevail in our case in court and we can get get some choice for these parents and these kids and we've always been school choice their answer i think a lot of parents who maybe have not really thought of it before because they were okay with their score they just didn't really know at this point like well what other options do i have and they've kind of seen this program that maybe they didn't pay attention to before so i think that a lot of people who may not have been as interested in the education uh just they might not have known much about it i feel like a lot more people are coming to our side on that and um, and I'm excited to move forward. And as bad as this pandemic has been, there is some positives that we can take out of it. Some, uh, some things that Justin talked about too, about the regulations that have been lifted, that we, we've seen that they, we don't need them and that people can go back to work and do things like that. So it's been horrible. A lot of the government regulations have been horrible, but we have some hopefully long-term solutions that came out of it. We do. Yes. And amen. I love that. Um, let's switch to something fun because I get really fired up about education and I'm about to get angry and go off here in a second if we don't switch to something a little more fun. Um, the Tiger Woods documentary. Mark, have you watched it? I have not watched it. I've heard about okay. it. I watched it. I haven't either, but I'm a big sports documentary girl. Like ESPN 30 for 30, I like am obsessed. I'm a big sports documentary girl. Now, Tiger Woods, I'm going to give a hot take and I actually don't know how you feel about this. I used to love Tiger Woods until he cheated on his wife. 
I just don't have patience for that. And so I switched my allegiance to um, Phil Mickelson and several others after that and just kind of said, Tiger, you know, I don't want you to win anymore because you really hurt your wife. Um, but I've heard that they really uh, spilled the tea and things get really juicy on this documentary. Mark, are you going to watch it? And then I have a follow-up question. I probably will. And, and I think um, it's funny because I did not like him at all before they mm. kind of felt like he was cocky. I just was not a fan. And my, I mean, I was like Phil Mickelson. And they, they were kind of rivals. I mean, I, I was never a big golf guy. Um, but to me, I, I, I like him more now than I did before all that stuff happened. It seems like he's, to me, uh, of course, I understand you don't have patience for cheating. You shouldn't have, I mean, nobody should have that, but he seems like he has at least learned from it. He seems like a better person. I know a lot of the people who play golf with him, Phil, Phil Mickelson hated the guy. He hated it before that, but like they have a mutual respect now. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that were, were problematic, I think that he, he really had to take a look at himself because he didn't just cheat once. I mean, he had like, he probably cheated. Bad. Um, and, and he got thrown. I mean, he, he was blasting the media. He was like their golden boy before and then just trash for years. And I think that he really had to take a look at himself and I can't say for sure people can put on X, but I, I like him a lot more now. He seems to be a lot more grounded, a lot more like, he's like, wow, I really messed up. And I, I probably will watch the documentary to see what it's like. I still don't love him. I still don't love golf. So it's like, that's more important. Yeah. I, I will never watch it really uh, unless I bet on it. But um, I agree the 30 for 30 documentaries and I'm interested. It, it is interesting to watch it. I will say one thing about that. Um, Michael Jordan did that whole, like they did their, their documentary of the bulls. And that's the one reason I don't like sports documentaries. It's like who has final sign off on it. It, it was yeah. Jordan in that case. So it, it was a literally a propaganda piece from Michael Jordan. And, and I mean, even the rest of the Bulls who were on his team said that, like they were look bad. So I don't know about the Tiger Woods thing, but if Tiger Woods had signed off on it, I think I'd be less likely to watch it than if it was like actually done completely in in a fair way that shows both sides of it. And it sounds like the, the way that you said they spilled some of the tea there, uh, probably Tiger Woods didn't have complete control over it by any <laughs> No, and that was going to be my follow-up question was, do, just, because you're, you love sports as much as I do, probably more, honestly, which is definitely, huge. Definitely more. <laughs> Not golf, <laughs> and, but real sports. Whatever. Um, just because I don't like basketball. Anyway, I, I have trouble. I love watching the sports documentaries, but I do have trouble because it's like when, we've talked about this before, when you meet your heroes. Sometimes when you meet your heroes or you see your heroes in these really candid documentary settings, you're like, oh, I don't know if I should actually be looking up to you. You might be a scumbag. Like you might be kind of sleazy. Um, good news for Tiger Woods for me is that the bar's already set really low. So <laughs> it's not gonna like, get worse. I don't think it definitely can't get worse. But my mom was telling me that she watched um, an interview with Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson. They've become friends. I think Charles Barkley, even though he was an Auburn guy. It's great. He's the next one that I wish that we could get a sports documentary of him. See, he's the, even Charles Barkley, like, who is the most lovable person in America. I mean, he's so incredible. Like, he's yeah. a checkered pass. He's had some things happen that that he probably wanted on there. He's had some DUIs that he had. It was called a prostitute or something like that. Um, but I think that part of what we need to do is realize that celebrities, sports people, they're all human. And I think that you can't, the, the problem is that we look up to them like there are these gods because they're like, oh, look how great he is on a basketball court and a football court. And like, and it's like, he, he looks, and he seems like a nice guy. You know, it's like, oh, he seems like a good guy. And like, they're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. So I think that part of it is like, we shouldn't be looking up to them, musicians, actors, all those things in the same way that we do. We say, I really like that. And he seems like a good role model or seems like a great guy, but we don't know their lives. Yeah. And, and I think that 
if we have fair expectations of them and, and you have these documentaries, they're interesting. You're like, okay, well, you see the flaws of this man or woman. And then you also see some of these great things they do. And I'm, I'm assuming that's the Tiger documentary will be. I, I am interested to watch because I do remember. I mean, you obviously remember, but that was such a big deal when, the, when that news broke. I feel yes. like for some reason cheating on, on your wife has become a less big deal over time. But I feel like that was at the pinnacle of like people were so upset about that. Yeah, I think that things have, you know, <clears throat> in our lifetimes, and I'm sure our parents could say the same thing, and our grandparents, more things have become socially acceptable. Cheating is one of the, and, and it, it, they become socially acceptable because worse things happen. Like celebrities do, we see celebrities exactly. doing really messed up things. And so cheating is like, oh, well, he only cheated. Okay. Yeah, for politicians, <laughs> that, that's, I mean, like Cal Cunningham, the one who ran, like nobody, they, they weren't even worried about the fact that he cheated. Like, well, it's because he cheated with a military man's wife and that he's run on this like good guy. I mean, again, like, I mean, even, I mean, President Trump has said he's cheated on his wife. Like th these are things that when it was Bill Clinton years ago, that was such a big deal. And like, it, and on, on either side, it's just people don't, not they don't care, but I don't think they care enough, that much anymore. And that celebrities, politicians, I don't think it matters to them that much. And I mean, of course, it's like, to me, it's the president or it's the senator. It's like, I don't really care what he's like as a person. I want good policy, which is one of the reasons that I didn't dislike Trump as much as um, a lot of people. I mean, I still don't love him as a person, uh, but you can see some of the things he did, like the way he acts for the most part doesn't affect my life. And, and what he does, it just isn't that important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the big differences between <clears throat> when a politician messes up versus when a celebrity messes up. Because when a celebrity does something like this, they rely on us for their income. Their whole job is that's to be likable or popular. Like Tiger Woods, there, there are probably amazing golfers out there that we haven't even looked at because they're not likable. They're not cool, like whatever. Tiger Woods had branded himself as this like little upstart kid that played on team. All of these celebrities that have these cheating scandals, they make their career by being popular. Yeah. Politicians, they make their career off making good decisions, hopefully, or what they deem to be good decisions. Celebrities, man, you, if you're a celebrity and you cheat, I'm done with your movies. Done. Um, okay. No, no okay. parties yeah. for you. See, I, I do them the same way. Though. Like, I'm not, I don't care about them as people. If they're good actors, I want to watch their movies. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I watch like, Sean Penn, he's a great actor. He's an insane person. What he believes in is literally insane and the opposite of anything. I mean, he loves dictators. And like, I'm like, well, I hate that about him. But if it's a good movie, I'll watch. I mean, even, I mean, Alec Baldwin's a, a terrible actor, so that's not a good example. But there's a lot of good actors who are so far left. I'm like, well, I don't agree with anything they do or they cheat or they're bad people. And I'm like, I'll, I, I still watch your movie because like you're entertaining in this role. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you a role model, but I will watch your movies. And the same thing I think about politicians or athletes or whatever. We're different in that way. I, I lose my allegiance to an actor or an athlete when they cheat on their wife. Um, I Jude, agree Law, with that. Jude Law was a big part I feel like I, I like the character of the players because that matters to the team I cheer for. Um, but I don't care for actors and actresses. So I guess we all have our lines. It just depends. We all have we all have our lines. Jude Law was a big heartbreaker for me when he cheated on Sienna with the nanny. And now I can't love Jude Law anymore. And that was tough. He that was so nice too, doesn't he? He's a cheater. It's those guys. They, he seems great. And he might be a guy, but it's like he made a mistake and these people are not perfect. Well, while we're on the topic of saying who we could never forgive, um, this week was a big week of presidential pardons. Lil Wayne got pardoned and the whole world rejoiced. Um, Mark's going to talk about that a little more on Overcaffeinated next week, but it's kind of like a teaser for that. I wanted to know, and I already have my pick, but Mark, who would you, if you were the president, you could pardon anyone, past, present, future, 
well, not future, I guess, maybe. If you could pardon anyone, past or present, who would it be? So we talked about this before, so I had to look up people who have been arrested. I have an obvious pardon of somebody who I did not know got arrested, and for the greatest reason ever. So I would uh, pardon Matthew McConaughey, one of my favorite actors. A lot of people know he got arrested. I didn't either. Do you want to hear the reason he got arrested? In 1990, neighbors filed a noise complaint. Cops found him naked and playing his bongo drums and arrested him for marijuana possession and resisting arrest. What's wrong with beating on your drums in your birthday suit? Matthew said, I have no regrets about the way I got there. What a great, what, what an incredible way to get arrested. Um, so I would absolutely pardon. I don't even know if he was charged, but that's the greatest arrestor of all time. And he's my favorite actor. So he would be my pardon. How about you? Okay. So my pardon did something a lot worse than that and not <laughs> as funny, but she is my icon. She went into court the, for her, for her, trial carrying a Birkin bag, Martha Stewart would get my pardon. We love Martha. Now that she's friends with Snoop Dogg, it's like she's even cooler. She was already cool. Man, she taught me how to ice a cake. That woman, I would absolutely pardon Martha. Martha has has my my celebrity part or my presidential pardon. So the best, the best, I just keep thinking about that episode of The Office when um, they had the guy who comes over who, who was arrested for insider trading. And then as he explained to me a bunch of times what he did wrong, he got arrested for, like, that sounds like what I do normally. <laughs> and he's like, so, and that is what Martha Stewart got, got arrested for insider trading. So I don't think she's that cool or was that cool, but she definitely got some cool points by hanging out with Snoop. Before that, you talk about how icing a cake is cool. I don't think most of us think that that's a cool thing. Maybe you well, not. <laughs> I think creating a centerpiece and icing a cake, it's all very, very cool things. And I used to watch her show all the time and then she went to jail. And so, so then what do I do? Like, you know, what she, she did, I, I will, what? Didn't she have a show from jail at some point or is that, did I make that up? <laughs> Cause she went to, she <laughs> went to like a jail that's like, uh, like a nice, my house jail, like one of those resort mm -hmm. jails, but. Yeah, well, only the best for Martha, even though she did something really bad. Yeah, <laughs> she did right. something, I need to stop before Justin fires me for, for condoning Martha's <laughs> behavior. Insider trading. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, next week is National School Choice Week, so we're going to have a special podcast where we're going to be wearing our yellow scarves for National School Choice Week. Um, share this with your friends. If you have any questions about the ESA program we talked about earlier, let us know. Mark, any final thoughts? Nope, I'm good. All right. Have a great week, everyone.